What's up, Clay County? Welcome to, once again, another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. On today's episode, you're going to hear from Dr. Aaron Knowles. He is running for school board in Clay County, and he's going to let you know his views on all sorts of different things as it relates to the Clay County School District. Enjoy. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. My name is Josh Allen, and today I have with me Dr. Aaron Knowles, who is running for school board in Clay County. Dr. Knowles, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you want to be on the school board. Josh, thanks for having me. Um, look forward to our conversation. I come from a family of educators. Both my parents retired from the K-12 public school system. They taught in five different counties across the state of Florida. Uh, I graduated from Middleburg High School, so I'm very familiar with the Clay County environments and the people that live here. I have experience, my entire career has been in education. I was in higher education with the University of Phoenix and worked as a finance director and then eventually moving up to run the entire Orlando campus. Uh, I left that job to return to the classroom. So I have experience in both education administration, the classroom, as the son of teachers, and now as a parent of three daughters that go to Clay County Public Schools. And I just really felt like I wanted to give back more to the community and the seat for District 2 where I live happened to be up this year. Uh, I'm a proponent for change. I'd like to see how much of a positive influence I can bring to Clay County, uh, thus making my decision to put my name on the ballot. Okay, interesting. That's that's good. I'm, I'm a proponent of change also. Um, so, you know, I like to hear, like to hear those sorts of things. So what do you see? Um, let me start with some sort of broad questions. Like, tell me some things you see in the school system that you think are, are going well. Like, what do you see that you think that is going right in the school system? Everyone that follows statistics or follows the Florida Department of Education um, information knows that Clay County is already successful in what we do. Our principals do a great job of leading each individual school. Clearly, our teachers are getting the job done in the classroom, um, and we have a dedicated staff at the county office making sure that everyone gets the resources that they need. With that said, there's always room to improve. I teach, I teach business at the local college here, and one of the things I teach my students is if you're not getting better, you're getting worse, and if you're staying stagnant, you're not getting better. So although Clay County does a lot of things very well, there are still a lot of things that we can improve upon, and that's really up to the leadership in the county and the school board to help make decisions to guide those leaders to the right decisions. Okay. Um, what do you see in this school district that you feel like could be done better? Personally, as the parents of uh, students in the system, I think we could do a better job of inviting the word of not just parents of students, but the public to speak on behalf of what they see could be done in the school systems better. I know that before he left, Superintendent Davis was having kind of town hall meetings in the schools with students talking to him about how they can see improvement. And that was a, a great idea. I'm a firm believer that we need to go directly to the source to find out what people need or think can be approved on. So that's one of the things that I think could be continued and maybe even get some more parents involved, maybe a parental advisory group, something along those lines that we get a different perspective from people that may not have direct ties into the classroom, but still have a voice in the public. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, 
you know, there, <laughs> I was once uh, famously told that a school board meeting is no place to question the school board. Um, what would your stance be? Let's say like a pie in the sky scenario. Aaron Knowles is on the school board. He gets made the, uh, the chairman of the school board. Um, would, would you have a, a more friendly stance towards public comments at the school board meetings? Or how would you prefer the public to give you feedback on what they want out of the school district? I think as long as everybody has remained professional in their approach to feedback, then there's there's really no reason why anybody shouldn't be questioned. I know that I'm a part of the union, faculty union for my college, and one of the things that we're going through as we discuss our own individual contracts is like a grievance system. And one of the things that we firmly believe is, you know, everything should be able to be grieved. We as citizens of the United States of America have a right to our opinion. Going back to my original statement of your question, as long as everyone's respectable of each other's feelings and, and our approach and believe that we're truly in it for the betterment of the kids, then I believe the, com the community and the public and parents have every right to attend a school board meeting and question what's going on because ultimately their tax dollars is what is funding our schools. Okay. Ultimately, they have, they have the right to, to voice their opinion. Okay. Um, all right. So let's get into to a little bit of a different, uh, different vein of, of, of topics here. Um, one of the things that I hear most from people who work in the school district now, both teachers and support staff and, and, you know, top to bottom is there's concern over, um, the pay that they receive, right. That their pay isn't competitive. Uh, and there's concern about the cost of benefits in the County. Um, where would, uh, you know, teacher and staff pay benefits and, and, those, you know, essentially hiring and retaining people, where would that fall on your list of priorities as a school board member? You know, it's funny, pay and benefits is a point of contention in probably every school district in Florida. And it seems as if the servant leadership of every county are the ones that receive the lowest pay, teachers, police officers, firefighters, social workers, etc. Um, as far as priorities go, the school system's budget that's approved by the State Department of Education every year, and pay and benefits is, is obviously an important aspect of retaining good teachers. So it has to be a top priority for anybody that's on the school board. What I think the challenge is, is making sure that the budget that is sent to us is allocated appropriately. Are we spending money in the right area or can we remove money from certain areas and move it into the teacher pay or benefits bucket? Anything with a budget can be looked at, I guess you can say, or, you know, decided upon what's more, you know, what's most important, you know, but essentially if we want to keep good teachers and we want to maintain a successful school district, we got to pay the people to stay. Yeah, I agree. We've all read the, re we all saw a recent report about a year ago about how we are losing teachers to Georgia because Georgia has a much higher pay structure. That's a real problem. Yep. I mean, it, it really is. And, and like I said, if we want to keep good teachers, we got to pay them. Yeah. Especially where we are, where we're not that far from the, the Georgia border. I mean, it's not, you know, five minute ride or anything, but it's also not so far that it makes it impossible for somebody to, to seek out higher pay over there. Um, I got a lot of friends that live in Gainesville that drive here, same drive from here to Georgia. Yeah. I know that, that one, one thing that, that people I see talk, I see people talk about a lot uh, is the, uh, 
the, the some of the other expenditures that the school board has recently, uh, you know, embarked upon school board police, uh, they spent a million dollars, I believe it was on uh, police cars, in addition to all the other cost of spinning up a law enforcement agency, they just purchased 100 new buses. Um, you know, for the, the, the bus fleet, which, and I'm not saying it, you know, I'm not passing judgment on any of the human beings involved or, or the decisions made. Um, you know, I have concerns when I see those sorts of, those amounts of money being spent. Uh, you know, do you think that, do you think that those, those sorts of things are, uh, bad optically when the school board is asking for additional money and the teachers are, the teachers and staff are, um, you know, publicly saying like, listen, we're not compensated the way we ought to be. What are your thoughts on those in general? I guess like, are, are you in favor of large expenditures? Um, you know, in lieu of, you know, I'm in favor of large expenditures if they are going to affect the success of what's happening at the school. For example, I know we have a percent sales tax increase on the ballot in November, primarily, primarily utilized for the needed maintenance of schools and um, forecast uh, for new schools in the next five years. Um, optically, it does look bad if we're spending what seems to be unneeded money or money on non-essential items, knowing that we have a pay problem. But I also think it also comes down to how you communicate the need for those expenditures. Was it properly explained why we needed 100 buses? Maybe 100 buses simply had met their depreciation cycle and weren't safe for the students to be on anymore, or the amount of maintenance that was needed simply was more expensive than just simply purchasing a new bus, right? right? So if we properly explain the need for things and people understand why and not just what, it often solves some of those misunderstandings. Yeah, I think it goes back to what what I what we touched on a little bit earlier. I think the school board hearing from the public and then communicating back to the public. You know, I, right. I don't know that. You know, I don't know. This is my opinion, right? Like this is one guy talking about it. It doesn't seem to me that there is an effective communication loop between uh, the stakeholders outside of the actual school system and the school board and the the leadership in the school district, right? I know the previous superintendent who's now gone to Hillsborough County. Uh, you know, Addison Davis was trying to do some of those things, but even even some of those, you know, it was very, in my opinion, restricted in the way he would come in, he would talk about certain topics and wouldn't necessarily open it up to, to other things. Um, I know for me, the school buses came out of the blue, right? It was just like, Oh, Hey, mm -hmm. we did a thing, you know, so it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't communicated effectively, but I do agree with you. You know, if there is a demonstrable need, you know, that's communicated to people the right way, I think most folks are, are pretty, pretty amenable to that sort of stuff. So, my next question for you is you touched a little bit on the sales tax. Where do you right. personally stand on that half cent sales tax? Are you for it against it? I'm for it because if you drive around and look at some of the schools, there's obvious need for maintenance that hasn't been provided in the past. I can, you know, if you drive to any school, how many portables are being brought onto the property instead of expanding a building, right? We know portables are less expensive, but they're also less safe and it offers more potential for, um, you know, a security breach or simply students tripping on the stairs going up to the, to the classroom door. Right. Uh, so with that said, I am for the sales tax increase because of the explanation that we've been provided already prior to the ballot. We know the first coast, the first coast expressway is coming through and that's 
projected the need for, I believe it's a seven schools in the next five to 10 years, that's going to bring a lot more revenue to the county. So if we are able to balance the revenue it brings by increasing the sales tax now, and we attract more residents, which means more tax dollars, which means more businesses to the county, it eventually pays for itself. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, I'm, uh, I'm notoriously anti-taxes, right? So I want to play devil's advocate uh, with you a little bit on that particular topic. Sure. There, there are people, and, and I'm, I'm among those people that say, how did $300 million worth of, uh, you know, maintenance and upgrades sneak up on the school board and why weren't they planning for it, uh, you know, ahead of time, right? That's part of, part of your budget, you know, and if you're budgeting at home, you know, if you're responsibly budgeting, you have money set aside for things that pop up that aren't necessarily predictable, right? So how would you, you know, I guess my question for you, since you're not on the school board currently, how would you make sure that, that we don't end up in this same situation, you know, five, 10 years down the road where we've got hundreds of millions of dollars in need uh, that we don't have a way to, to fund and take care of? Like what would be, what would be your solution to make sure we're not in the same situation in the future? Yeah, that's a good question. And this is where my business background really comes into uh, play with um, my expertise on how to run a profitable business. Now, we are clearly not for profit and we're not supposed to be for profit. We're a public system paid for by taxes. But I also believe there's a checks and balances system that should be utilized at least biannually. So right now, currently, any publicly traded company has to have an outside audit done once every three years. And that's required by the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, right? Why shouldn't we be able to institute a similar audit system in the public school system? I'm not sure if they do or not. I'm not privy to that information, but if they do, I think they should make the results of that a little bit more public and transparent. So that's one reason I would, one thing I would do is make sure that we have some kind of external audit done every two years with recommendations on how we're balancing our budget, where we're making the most effective and efficient decisions, and what what can we do in the future to not be in this position now where we need $300 million just to make regular changes. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so if you're a school board member and you're looking at a budget that you're going to vote to approve, would you encourage the leadership of the school board, superintendent, and so on to to look at um, measures like uh, maybe we, you know, take the school board police department and we reopen negotiations with the sheriff's office and return it to what it was before, where the sheriff is covering the county as well as the schools? Um, w- would you look at you know our our would you be willing to look at other ways than what's currently being done outside of the county trying to do everything within the school district itself um, to, to save money? Because I know that, that the school board police in particular is a very hot button issue, right? Me personally, like I have no issue with the human beings that are on the school board police department. I'm sure they're all well-qualified law enforcement officers and I'm sure they're all good people vetted properly. Right. But my question has always been, is that the right way to spend that money? Could we not have, you know, had the same coverage we had before, doing it a different way? Um, so would you would you look at measures to say, like, you know, are we not only are we spending our money in a transparent way, but are we doing it like would you look at things like the school board and say, you know, if we can do this cheaper outside of handling it ourselves, would you be willing to look at some of those solutions? Or in your mind, are things like the police department set in stone or are always gonna have that just try to make it efficient? 
That goes back to the very first question you asked me, and, and I'll, re, uh, I'll re reiterate my response. I'm a proponent of change. And if we're doing the same thing and making the same decisions and deciding that certain aspects of the budget are not on the table, then we're not changing. I think everything should be on the table. Now, I'm not sure if there's a, um, or I'm not sure how long the contract is with the school board police department. I'm not sure what the agreement is, but I do think that the sheriff's office and the school board police department could find a way to work together with the uh, sheriff elect in the future and chief Wagner and figure out a way that can be best utilized for both parties if there is a contract in place. But if there isn't, then like I said, nothing should be off the table. Good. You should be able to figure out something. And if it, if it's the very best way we, we can do it, then we leave it alone. Right. Right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. You know, where, where I work, we have this uh, motto. We say, you know, the business that we're actually in is the, the solutions business. Right. And it sounds yeah. like I hear you sort of think in that same way, like you want to find the best solution, you know, and, and, and go with that, whatever that solution is. Um, you know, cause I think what you see with, with, with a lot of stuff is, and, and I get it because human beings are emotional creatures. People get their emotions tied to a thing sometimes and they can't rationally evaluate like, is this really the best thing that we should do? Um, you know, it just has this emotional attachment for some people. And, and there's, there's a lot of different things that fall under that. Um, and, you know, school safety, police departments, that's one of those that, that does get emotional for people and rightfully so, because, you know, we're protecting the students that are in the schools and the faculty and the staff. Um, so you have a business background. Um, so this is an interesting question, I think, for you. Um, you know, the school board has come to the public essentially three times in the last 18 months and asked for additional revenue via taxes, right? Millage rate increases and now a property tax increase. Um, my question has always been, I know that there are school districts throughout the country who partner with businesses um, and, you know, essentially the, the private sector to fund things within the school district. Would that be something that you would look into doing to, to fund needs as they pop up or what would your perspective be on that? You know, as someone who's coming from the business world into the school district, do you, do you think there's room for us to find ways to fund things without necessarily looking for a tax increase every time? Absolutely. One, um, one of the things I do as a hobby is I'm a high school baseball umpire and a high school football referee and any anybody that goes to any kind of youth recreational activity sees the signs on the fence or on the wall or on the back of the gym that say you know a certain business's name or you say you see bronze sponsorship silver sponsorship etc cetera, etc cetera. and those build those businesses are giving money to the athletics program to help fund uniforms and upkeep etc why can't we do the same or ask the same thing for the academic portion of our educational system or from the maintenance portion, whatever, you know, the better our corporations treat our educational system, the more likely that those students that are taught in our educational system will grow up to be leaders in those very corporations that previously helped them, right? The whole key and the goal is to keep our best and brightest students right here in Clay County to be our future leaders. And what business would not want to invest in their own future by helping the educational system itself? I think we do a pretty good job so far of partnering with, partnering with certain industries. I know um, one of the topics that you were potentially going to ask was school choice. 
So if someone has an interest in aeronautics, they go to Oakleaf High School. Someone has an interest in a specific IB program, they go to Ridgeview High School, right? Um, so we do a good job of partnering with industries, but I think we are not doing uh, as good of a job that we could do with partnering with businesses in those industries. Sure. So absolutely, community sponsorships, business assistance, all of that is necessary. I mean, there are positions in virtually every not-for-profit organization in the world that are focused on sole fundraising, and that's it. Right. That's their job, is to yep. find money. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying we need a position like that in Clay County, but we certainly do need um, to be able to raise our own revenue without asking the public for tax increases. Yeah, I think we, you know, it's amazing the the what technology has done. We live in an in, in a world now where, um, you know, industries across the board and organizations across the board are are actually self-funding their own projects, right? You right. see a lot of the music industry, bands that used to be tied to a record label and had to sign a record deal are now able to just do a GoFundMe account and say, hey, we want to cut a new record. We need $50,000. Everybody who pitches in will get a CD, right? Right, um, and, right. And, and I'm not saying, you know, obviously I'm not saying that we fund a $400 million school budget <laughs> via a GoFundMe account, but I think there's ways to supplement some of the stuff, um, you know, that we do. And it's good to hear you say that you're sort of, you know, you would, you would think along those same lines. Now you touched on school choice a little bit. We have a current school board member who I'm not going to name and I'm not asking you to necessarily comment on this person, but there has been a comment that's been made recently by a school board member to say that charter schools are not Clay County schools. What are your thoughts in general around charter schools and how they fit into the greater school district in Clay County? I've asked this question of many of my friends in education, teachers, administrators, et cetera. And the overwhelming answer is charter schools are Clay County schools. They are going to, if we do, every time we do a tax increase, charter schools get a piece of that pie. Every time a decision is made by the Florida Department of Education, something in that charter school is affected by that decision. I'll liken it to the increase and the more popularity of trade schools at the higher education level. Now, 20 years ago, if you wanted to be a welder, there were very specific schools that you could go to and there were not a lot of options. 30 years ago, if you didn't go to college or a university, your likelihood of getting a job, a trade job was diminished. Right. Now there is virtually a school for every trade that someone can go take a shortened education and be ready to start their job without training on day one. Charter schools offer a similar option to parents of children who want to go and be part of something specific, right? So I'm not sure how many charter schools we have in Clay County, but the answer is they are Clay County schools. They just happen to follow a different mission and vision than what the public school system does. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think uh, there are two charter schools currently. There was one previously that, that was closed by the state. Um, I think charter schools have sort of become the uh, a, a much misunderstood talking point. I think at the state and the national level, charter schools and the, the system in general, you know, there's there's room for improvement. Um, but what I see charter schools and, and also like school choice, like the just the cry for people to be able to have some say in which particular government school kids go to is, is people yeah. saying – I have a need and I don't see that the school system, the way it's set up currently is meeting the need, you know, that I perceive that I have. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily hardcore for or against charter schools, but, uh, but I think, um, you know, a lot of people see charter schools as a threat. I think we'd be smart 
to look at what charter schools are doing, the ones that are successful, and say, if they are popular and people want to go to those schools, why aren't? How do we replicate that same success and make people excited about the non-charter schools, right? How do we get the same right. sort of you know enthusiasm going there? I don't hear a lot of that. I, I would hope you know maybe maybe if we get some some new faces on the school board, maybe we'll hear uh, some of those uh, some of those things start to uh, to, to come into play, but. Uh, but it, charter school is one of those things. There's a wide gamut of uh, opinions on it. And the next thing I want to talk about also has a very wide gamut of opinions. Uh, <laughs> uh, standardized tests and common core, right? Um, you know, we have a governor in office currently who is very anti-standardized tests. Uh, we had uh, a previous superintendent, and I believe even even the current guy who's filling in, uh, Mr. Broski, is, is very anti-standardized tests. Um, where do you stand on standardized tests in general? Good, bad, indifferent? I understand the need for them. Um, like I said, both my parents were educators, so I've been around the system since before standardized tests. One of the biggest problems that we see now and one of the things I hear most often is teachers are teaching to a test. They're not teaching to a topic. Right. I am not for standardized tests, but again, I understand the need for them. People want to be able to categorize your performance on virtually everything. That's just where our society has gotten to. And with standardized testing, we can say, this county is better than this county because they scored a certain score on this test and this county scored less. And Common Core was the same thing. We wanna make sure that everybody is teaching the exact same way, the exact same topics, so those standardized tests can be fairly measured. Right, yeah. My the caveat view- to that, the caveat to that is, in the past, teachers were able to figure out which students learned in which way. Right. I have a, I've, my background, my bachelor's degree is in statistics. So I'm a math person. Not everyone learns math the same way. Right. And the teacher was able to figure out through their experience and through their knowledge of each individual student, how that student was best going to understand that topic. They can't do that right now because standardized tests and their performance is based on the results of these tests. I mean, so it's in their best interest to teach to the test. The teachers know the students far better and far more accurately than the politicians do. I think one of the worst things that we did years ago was infuse politics into the classroom. Now there needs to be oversight and that's where the that's where the, the need for politics is. And then, you know, policy and um, all those things. But back to the standardized test answer, as you can see, it's a hot, it just, it doesn't work. I have three daughters. I've taught all three of them in different ways on the same topic, you know, throughout their careers. So it's, it's, it needs to be put back into the hands of the teachers and not the hands of Tallahassee. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we should arm teachers with as many tools as possible to figure out what kids need, um, you know, in terms of, of how they learn. And that's sort of how I feel about Common Core, right? Common Core, I think, you know, is, is something I always heard these horror stories um, about what Common Core was, and it's this terrible thing, and it's this super political thing, and it's one particular political party trying to infuse politics into the way that teachers teach. And, and I don't know that that's necessarily accurate. Like, the more I've learned about it, I always tell the story to people. Um, I, I, Common Core to me is my general stance on it is if Common Core and those methods are mandated that every teacher has to teach every student that way, I think that's probably a bad idea, right? But if Common Core and those methodologies are a tool in the teacher's toolkit and they can determine what kids need those, I think that they're great, right? Because I know for me, 
I had a negative opinion opinion of Common Core until I watched some videos and talked to some some uh, middle school elementary uh, math teachers, and they sort of explained to me how to do math uh, the Common Core way. And what I realized is that that's how my brain works. I remember right. sitting in math classes thinking, I don't understand why I don't get this. Everyone else understands this. The way it's explained doesn't work in my head. And I had to fight, fight, fight to do math. And math is the only subject I ever struggled in. And then, you know, I saw this lady doing common core math, right? And doing a methodology mm-hmm. just for like division. And I'm like, oh, that's how my brain works. Had I had that, had right. my teacher had the ability to sort of realize, oh, Josh needs this. You know, I might've taken a lot more in-depth math classes, but uh, for me, it was pretty much algebra and geometry and whatever base level classes I had to do in college. And then I was done, right? Like, because I always struggled with it. It was, uh, so I think common core is one of those things. I wish it was better understood by people. And, and I hope that it's something that we continue to use as a tool and not, um, a hammer that's sort of mandated. Yeah. yeah. And I was the opposite way. I, d- I don't understand common core. I look at the way my daughters do their homework when they bring it home. That doesn't my brain. It the other way, the other methods do. So I agree. It shouldn't be the only way it should be another way. Right. All right. Couple more topics for you. And, and then I think we'll be pretty much wrapped up. One thing that uh, people want to know about is uh, term limits. Um, for school board in particular is really the hot button issue in, in Clay County. Where do you stand on term limits? Are you for, against, indifferent? I'm for term limits for any elected uh, position across the country. We have it for the president of the United States. Why don't we have it for every other position beneath that? Um, we, so we hear all the time in education, business, you name it, change is the only constant. Well, without term limits, there's no option for change. Right. Right. Um, same thing in business or, you know, same thing I mentioned earlier, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And if you're hearing the same opinions and it's no fault of the person that maintains that office, they're obviously doing a good enough job to maintain the office, but change is good and change is necessary to keep progressing forward. So I'm, I don't know what that term limit looks like. That's not really uh, uh, up to me, but I do think there needs to be term limits in every elected position. Yeah, I'm pretty much there too. Like I think term limits in general are a good thing. You know, if something came onto a ballot and it was, you know, one and done, like one term and then you're done, I think you're probably shortchanging yourself a little bit, right? I think jobs like the school board in particular, the complexities of the budget and what money can be spent where and what thing, like I would imagine it takes a a decent amount of time to get familiar with that and then really get into the job, right? So I I think, you know, two or three term limits, term a two or three term limit, probably I'd be a little more, uh, you know, uh, a little more agreeable to that sort of thing. But in general, yeah, I agree. Term limits are, are, are a good thing. And, and I think part of the problem that we have is, is, you know, you said that most folks are doing a good enough job to stay. I think that's true most of the time. But we do have, you know, across the entire nation, state, local, federal offices, people that are just doing enough to not screw up, right? Right. That, that they're not necessarily doing a good job. They're just not doing terribly enough for people to notice. Because, you know, if we're being honest, the vast majority of people vote on name recognition. They don't do their homework and they don't know who they're voting for. That's one of the reasons I'm trying to do this podcast, right? I want to have these conversations yeah. so people can listen to it as they're driving around in their car, sitting at their house, doing work. You know, we're all under these you know, crazy quarantine times. So, um, you know, people have a little more time on their hands. So, okay. that's good to, good to hear your view on that. Last sort of topical thing I have for you is uh, appointed versus elected superintendent. Where do you fall on that topic? 
I can see the value of both, to be honest with you. So I've thought about this um, because I've seen it's a it's a topic specifically in Clay County because we have elected where we just lost a superintendent to an appointed system, right? Um, I think there's an opportunity to kind of combine the two. The, the drawback of having an elected position is we are limiting ourselves to those people that live here. Not to say that our future leaders are not qualified to do the job because clearly they are, but who knows if the next greatest thing for Clay County lives in Kentucky, right? We don't know that because we're limiting ourselves to a certain number of potential candidates. Appointed, now we're relying on a certain group of people that's far less of a number than the voters. We're relying on them to locate the next greatest thing for Clay County. So, right. yeah, that, it's a tough one, but I think we could utilize both systems. Maybe you have a, an elected official that comes from an appointed group of potential candidates. Yeah, I think there's some room, in my opinion, um, I lean towards elected simply because, you know, just to be completely frank, uh, I don't necessarily trust the judgment of a couple people currently on this board. That's the problem, right? right. You know, so what I see, and I don't want to get too far in the weeds, as I see a a group sort of behind the scenes trying to control things in a way that I think probably isn't good. Um, So, you know, if I had a group that I trusted, as a school board, I could be swayed, I think, you know, to, towards a, an appointed superintendent. But I think, you know, they're, they're good, and, good and bad to both, like you said. But I think with an appointed superintendent, what I would like to see is some sort of citizens advisory committee that is involved in the first steps of screening the applicants and candidates, right? So you mm-hmm. have people, you know, like if you're not on the school board, but you're a business leader in the community, we should have someone like you looking through these things and saying, is this guy a good fit for our county and, you know, the lifestyle and the sort of school district that we want, right? And then maybe that advisory, you know, and who knows what it's composed of, citizens, business leaders, maybe even like teachers and people within the county that are going to have to work for the person. And then they present a group of applicants to the school board who then goes through a round of interviews with them and, and, you know, goes from there. Um, So I think there's a way to do it. You just have to find the right system with that. So, but, but yeah, to me, you know, ultimately, it's not a deal breaker one way or the other. Like, you know, and a, a lot of people sort of making it a, a hill to die on. It's come up on the ballot at least twice in Clay County and been shot down both times with a lot of uh, blustery uh, rhetoric um, around it. All right. So last thing I've got for you, I appreciate all the time you spent with me today. I want to give you essentially an open mic to tell the voters of Clay County why they should elect you to the Clay County School Board. I think my unique experience both in business and in education as a parent, an athlete, the, the son of a coach, the son of teachers, a student myself through a PhD program, and now the father of three daughters in the public school system would bring necessary diversity and change to the school board. I've said it earlier, I've said it several times. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I understand how to take a system from good to great. Ken Blanchard's one of the, the great business minds of our time, and he has a book called Good to Great. And I think that's where Clay County is. We already have a good system. We just need to finesse it into becoming great and then from great to excellent. I have the passion. I am a Clay County citizen for the past 20 years off and on. Um, I never plan to leave Clay County. It's my favorite place I've lived all over Florida. And this is where it always feels most like home. I want to do this for my daughters. So I want to show them that 
you can make a difference just by getting out and helping your community and whatever means necessary. But I also want to do it for my parents who are teachers and for the current teachers that we have, because I am one of them. I have so much respect for K-12 teachers that I don't want to do their job. I like teaching adults in the college system. I don't have the patience for K-12 and the, the teachers that, that we have that are dedicated to them every day really deserve everything we can give them from a school board perspective. And it's, it's just time for some, for some new eyes. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with some of your points there that, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping like you to see some, some fresh influence and perspective across a, a lot of the different offices that are, that are coming open this election cycle. So, uh, Dr. Knowles, you know, once again, I thank you for your time. Uh, and I, I wish you best of luck at the polls. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Josh. Have a good night.